Welcome to Keeping Receipts, a podcast focusing on freelance life, creativity, and their impact on our mental health. I'm Beth, a voiceover artist and sound editor living in Norwich, and this podcast began with my life guru, best friend, Facebook wife, Rose, who is an artist and currently on maternity leave. Keeping her seat warm while she's away is a different creative freelancer each episode, and this episode, I'm thrilled to be talking all things freelance with an absolute expert on the subject, Jenny Stallard. So... What do you need to know about Jenny? Well, she is a lifestyle journalist, copywriter, business coach, and is also the creator of Freelance Feels, which is a blog and podcast series exploring the highs and lows of freelance life. As you've probably figured out, we have a lot in common. In this episode, we discuss Jenny's own experiences as a writer for some household names such as The Huffington Post, Glamour, Grazia, The Telegraph, Refinery29, Metro... The list goes on. We also delve into some common themes that seem to come up for self-employed people and look at what it takes to be a successful business coach in that crowded industry. In classic Beth fashion, this episode was actually recorded in March and it's taken me two months to edit. Don't judge, just listen and enjoy. It's Keeping Receipts. I was getting kind of used to the darkness anyway. When I found Freelance Feels... I suddenly felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person who feels this way about freelancing because actually I have been freelancing since I was 23 and for the first five years just thought I was really broken, (laughs) like that I wasn't good at self-employment because I felt like I should be loving this and actually I feel Mm. quite alone. Is that, you've been, I mean, tell me, you've been doing this for ages, but is that, is that a common theme? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I had that just this morning. Someone was talking on Twitter. Oh, honestly, I go on social media and I think, oh, it would have been quicker to just stab myself in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) It would have just been a quicker shortcut to pain than checking social media some mornings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly. And someone was talking about, oh, being on freelance Slack channels. And I thought, I'm not on any freelance Slack channels. Like, does that mean I'm, what, what, what am I missing? Am I failing? I'm not doing as well as everyone mm. else. Why aren't I on? All the thoughts about not being on Slack channels just walloped me in the face like a big cream pie. And um, yeah, so definitely 100% to answer your question. And I think it's about sort of channeling it because that, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Mm. But it's a case of A, recognising it and B, perhaps channeling it because you can sort of say to yourself okay well what are these slack channels perhaps I should be on some maybe that's something to investigate rather than just reacting and going oh god I'm not on slack channels I'm a complete failure Mm. then jumping into "Mm, okay well hold on I've I've got slack maybe I should look at some freelance slack channels maybe that's how I might drum up some business and kind of flipping it so there's there's a there's a double-edged sword to those those feelings that you mentioned I think but oh yeah daily (laughs) okay that's 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 good that sort of puts my mind at ease because I think you're right it is something that I have learned more recently and probably it's come with age and a little bit more self-esteem fractionally tiny bit more self-esteem um that you kind of go okay you know this is this doesn't have to be an indication of my failures this can be an opportunity and absolutely that's fine so tell me a bit about your journey then and how you got into freelancing and how it began and what it's kind of morphed into Cool. So I'm actually freelance for the third time. So I I came up with the word freelancer, which I'm very proud of. (laughs) (laughs) I worked on local newspaper and always wanted to work on magazines. So in the early 2000s, I was working my way onto women's magazines, sort of real life weeklies, you know, like that's life and 
chat, those kinds of ones. And back then you could go freelance and you could do what they call shifts, which is almost like freelance temping. So they get you in for, you know, one week, five weeks, sometimes a maternity cover contract and they pay you a day rate and you fill in a timesheet. And that was that. And you could do other things as well because you didn't belong to them. You never had a contract, as it were. So I left the magazine job and went freelance, but I went into doing shifts. That was in around 2005. And then inevitably, you'd be on shifts and a magazine would sort of say, oh, you fit in. You're nice. You do you do what we need you to do. And so-and-so's just leaving. Would you like a job? And you get lured. Or you see a job advertised and you think, oh, do you know what? I'm a bit sick of feeling like the freelance temp. I'm going to apply for that job. So twice I got lured back into sort of that real real job world. <laughs> and then in April 2017, I'd been at a newspaper for two and a half years where actually I'd started on shifts and then stayed. So that classic scenario had happened, but I loved it. It was a brilliant job. And I took redundancy. There was a wave of redundancies. I was one of the people offered it. And I said, yeah, do you know what? Actually, it's probably time I got out of my comfort zone again. So that was April 2017 that I then said, I'm going freelance. And I was like, come on now, right? Freelance for life this time. We can't keep going backwards and forwards. Are we freelance or aren't we? So I always say I dated freelancing, went into other relationships, but kept on seeing freelancing on the side. And now we're in a committed relationship. <laughs> and I think is that, I don't know. I don't know if that is typical to kind of flip between the two I've definitely been in a committed relationship with freelancing for <laughs> nine years but for the first time I'm considering cheating do you know Ooh, what I mean like, yeah. like well I think it's probably the pandemic talking to be honest but I feel I feel mm. tired I feel like the hustle is is tough yeah, um, 100%. I feel and that. so having that lovely flexibility of being able to drop in and out that that kind of appeals to me yeah, the shift thing is great. And it's still possible remotely. I I sometimes get emails from people saying, oh, can you do three days a week for us for a month from home? And it's writing features and you just, you know, submit them via Google Docs and all sorts of w wonderful ways that you can submit people copy that you don't, you know, the ways you do it in an office, you don't mm. print it out and hand it to someone just because you're in an office. I guess if anyone's feeling those same feelings, I would say, see what's in the middle ground. Is there a contract? Mm. Is there a three day a week something that gives you that feeling of, oh, well, they're going to pay me on time every month. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the dream. But you can still do your own thing and have the autonomy and say that you're still self-employed and that they're just one of your clients. Yeah. So that might be something to explore rather than saying, right, I'm going to find a job. Another way to kind of get around that, and this is something I do a lot, is look at the jobs websites. And if you read job descriptions and what they expect you to do to apply for one, it'll soon put you off. Yeah, You'll be totally. like, oh, actually, it'd be much easier for me to send five letters of interest than it yeah. would be for me to do this one job application. Okay, I'll email five new clients that I want to work with. <laughs> do you know what? I'll focus on my marketing rather than convince you that I can do marketing, which is going to take up loads of time. Totally. That's yeah. such good advice. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. Another another thing is that sometimes comes up is if they're looking for someone for a role that you might be able to do, is it possible that they might want freelancers to do the same thing? So sometimes when people are looking for, say, say a website's looking for a features editor, I sometimes will get in touch with them and say, hello, I see you're recruiting for a features editor. I'm writing to introduce myself. I write features. I also work remotely on a day rate. And they might just sometimes turn around and say, oh, okay, well, you could do this for us on that day rate, even while they're recruiting, perhaps, there's that gap. Yeah, so there's potentially opportunities. Mm, I mm. never do that. Do you know what? I'm not that ballsy, I think. 
but I will be from now on. This Do is it. good. Yeah. This is a yeah. good thing. And <laughs> are these the types of things that are discussed in freelance fields? Yes. Because I love your wonderful community. Tell me a bit more about freelance fields, but I think oh, it's great. Thank you. So freelance fields, the idea of freelance fields is a bit of a warts and all honest look, diary style almost, because I'll go on like Instagram stories and, and blog about things and, and have podcasts. So it's kind of just sort of a bit of a, a flowing commentary of freelance life where everyone's welcome to come in, listen and join and say what's going on for them. But it's very much kind of the warts and all side of things. So it is the, hey, raise your hand if you're not on any Slack channels like we were saying before. <laughs> you know, it's okay if you don't have a separate business bank account. I mean, there's lots of people that probably just heard me say that and they're like, no, it's not <laughs> a separate business bank account. You can be self-employed and not have, you know, the super duper new amazing bank account. Just do it at your own pace. So, yeah, Freelance Fields basically says, welcome one and all. I think we're all winging it or we at least think we're winging it. That's OK. You are welcome here. Let's just talk about the ups and downs. And I yeah. always sort of say, oh, you know, I can't I won't ever sort of do blog posts or anything about five ways to do your tax return but I might write a blog post about why do we leave our tax returns to the last minute and tell ourselves we're stupid <laughs> well and that that warts and all approach of like yes we're all we all feel like we're winging it or faking it mm. and it's very important that you do that well in front of your clients <laughs> yes. but here is where you can breathe out you can yeah. you know unbutton your tight pair of trousers and go yeah. oh because exactly. actually there's a safe place to go. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Yeah, you're so right. That's exactly the vibe. And it's kind of saying, you know, like I deliberately just, sometimes I'll just do um, a stories and my hair will be all, my hair goes really fluffy around the edge. So sometimes I'll just put a picture up with a, with a song involving the word hello or hey, halo because it's like <laughs> hello. But it's that kind of thing where it's like, you don't have to be quaffed to do an Instagram live because just be you. So I kind of try and portray myself as just an everyday some days I'm quaffed. You catch me today. I've dyed my hair, so it's actually a very exciting day. I was going to say you look pretty quaffed to me. So like, this is—I haven't put makeup on for a week, but I put my eyeliner on for you. So I've washed, I've washed, dyed, and washed, and blow dried my hair in your honour. <laughs> you know, some days it's like not that, and some days you're in yesterday's leggings, and can still be freelance in yesterday's leggings. You don't have to be in some amazing floaty maxi dress, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I know the ones. I know the ones you mean. And you talk, I loved your blog. It was actually pre-pandemic. It was near the beginning, but it was talking about the freelance desert and dry mm. January. Yeah. And it, I, I'm going to assume that people feel similarly to me. Maybe they don't. But those months or weeks where you're quiet, it's the hardest to be vocal and show up for yourself mm. and kind of be like, yeah, freelancing's great when actually I just want to be like, guys, I haven't made any money for X amount of days and I'm freaking out about it. Yeah. Um, and I just think having a community where that is recognised, is that would be the draw for me personally, I think. Yeah, that's you've, you've really hit on one. I, it's funny with that particular one because dry January is such a... A, un a big thing for everybody and I must admit that sometimes I'll pick themes that will tie in with something that's being searched for so yes of course people are searching for dry January so mm -hmm. that makes it quite a good thing to be able to use a hashtag for but yeah I mean freelance feels was was born out of a period of extreme freelance famine I was at a point where I was really feeling like I didn't want to be freelance anymore uh, I was so over the hustle I was totally over pitching I was just like I'm I'm sick of like 
I'm 43 now, so what freelance feels is nearly, gosh, will it be three? Gosh, I can't even think. No, it must only be two. Anyway, I'm trying to work out how old it is, 2019. Yeah, so two. <laughs> yeah, we're in 2021. So yeah, two, yeah. two and a bit. And more words than maths, even basic. <laughs> um, yeah, so that idea that, you know, I was early 40s and I just thought, I'm sick of pitching to people and getting no reply and kind of, you know, that whole hustle and let's get yourself out there and toot, toot, it's all about me. And I was just a bit down about all of that and looking at jobs, but then the ones I applied for, I wasn't getting any response from. So then I was thinking, well, God, no one even wants me for a job, which I'm sure a lot of freelancers have been in that situation. So Freelance Fields was born out of a, a desert experience in my freelance life so the dry January freelance desert really brought that back to me a little Mm. bit because it did remind me that you know things can really I mean we're in spring now so it's it's March isn't it and we're kind of thinking well the world's waking up there's there's the hope that we might actually meet again in person as business people and just humans once once lockdown eases in the UK and it's kind of that idea that you know the bulbs are coming up people are spotting snowdrops and daffodils and that's what you have to try and keep in mind I guess as an analogy for your freelance life is even if you're in the desert remember that spring comes Mm. in the depths of winter you can forget that all those bulbs which are like I guess the bulbs are like the emails you send and every time you post on social or every time you share something on LinkedIn they're germinating they're having a little think about it and then they they will Spring always comes. That sounds really cheesy, but it does. But it's hard to believe it when you're in the desert. (laughs) My question on on freelance fields and creating a a community. So you're two years old, as Mm. we said. It (laughs) seems to be a real buzzword now. I'm seeing it everywhere. Every influencer is talking about their community on Facebook or every coach is creating Mm -hmm. a community. So you kind of feel like... I kind of feel like you were ahead of the curve a little bit. Have you seen it blow up this year during the pandemic? Have you noticed that? Or is that just me getting a kind of skewed view? It was funny because when when you mention it, part of me thinks, oh, I hadn't hugely thought about it. Perhaps because I'm in an echo chamber of saying I have a community. Perhaps I kind of see other people doing it and think, oh, it's a lovely word, isn't it? But yeah, now you've said it, I kind of think there's definitely two camps. There are people saying it's a community, come on in, let's share, let's be open, let's lift each other up, let's let's say, hey, I feel that way too. I find it very interesting that there are communities where it's like, join our community, come and be one of us, it's only £50 a month. <laughs> like, mm, okay, interesting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I understand that business is business, but at the same time, there's definitely some communities in inverted commas springing up that will cost you, and there are other communities where it's like, just come on in. And if you'd like to to have coaching, that obviously is charged. But joining the community, just coming and saying hi and coming along for the ride with a bit of freelance feels is. So, yeah, community, I guess what you have, and you mentioned this to me before we started chatting, was followers. Mm. The idea that you have followers. Um, and now people are saying that their followers are their community. And there's definitely a difference for me between having followers or having people that follow the account but hopefully they follow it because they want to be along for the ride of freelance fields. Yeah. I, I'm not, you know, saying, oh, yes, follow me. Look at what I'm doing today. It's more, oh, hey, do you want to play? <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's less mm. about you. It's not that you began the community, but you are not 
you know the leader i suppose in 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 that sense you know it's not all about about promoting you is that no. the difference yeah i think so cuz some people would say i guess they've got a community but i subscribe to some newsletters and often they will sort of they'll have a little bit of chat and then they'll be like if you like what i'm talking about why not sign up to my community it's only this per month or if you like what i've just written in my newsletter why don't you do some coaching with me or why don't you do some one of my workshops there's always a selling point mm. in in certain newsletters whereas there's other newsletters i subscribe to that are just someone sharing their thoughts on a subject so yeah there's a fine line i think between saying you're creating a community and just gathering people together and having a nice group of like-minded people mm. and communities where it is constantly like oh by the way here's the leaflet at the end of the talk do you want yeah. to sign up do you want to pay for something yeah but and people it, leave if they don't like that it's well I was gonna say simple. do you think communities can be done badly yeah because oh, I love this question I'm really pondering but yeah in a way because you can say you're creating a community and then if you only ever talk about yourself and you never ask any questions and you never ask anyone else how they're feeling or what they might be up to, well, you're not creating a community. You've created a pyramid where you're sat at the top and everyone else is looking up at you doing what you're doing. Mm. I'm not saying I get it right every day, but I started the podcast because I wanted to talk to other freelancers about what was going right and wrong for them. That's the whole point of the podcast for Freelance Feels is to say, hey, okay, I was struggling with my mental health. How about you over there? Oh, you are cool. Yeah, you come and chat as well. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And they share their stories so that other people who listen then feel a sense of, oh, thank goodness, it's not just me. Mm. Oh, it's also that other person who wrote that brilliant book. Oh, good. Oh, I want to listen to them. Yeah, again, it's more of that, come on in, come on in. I keep saying that, don't I? But that's the vibe I want is, hey, guys, there's another seat here. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. I think clubhouse are you on clubhouse no. I don't have to do with clubhouse. <laughs> i have joined clubhouse but i haven't done anything what's becoming interesting to me is i've just mm. eavesdropped on a couple of clubs or whatever it's called yeah. um it's all still it happens at 3 a.m because it's all still american so i haven't been overly involved yeah. but there's a real difference between the chats that are come on in this is a group discussion mm. and let's let's talk or the chats that are i'm in charge of this everyone has to follow me I'm going to talk about me and then it's going to end. And I think it's fine. I think there's room for both on Clubhouse. It is just interesting that it has become this fairly noisy platform already, mm. um, literally and figuratively, that <laughs> is about yeah. people really asserting themselves as experts in their field and then not really, I don't know, the bad ones are not really giving anything. They're not really adding yeah. any value. I've just found it really interesting. I think I need to join in with a couple to truly see what it's like, because I feel like it could be a good space for someone like me. I mean, I'm building up a coaching community and coaching business, and I, I want to interact with people and people to sign up to do my workshops and that kind of thing and listen to the podcast. So it would be a good platform for that. I think for me, Clubhouse feels like we're all at school and someone's gone, look, we've built a whole new playground for break time. Who wants to come? <laughs> but but the gates to this playground aren't open. Or maybe the gates are open, but not everyone dares go in. And the and it seems like whoever's gone to the new playground must be the cool kids. Mm. And they must be the best ones. And they must be, you know, like that whole school ground school playground feeling. Yeah. And it's almost about like taking a step back, like with any social media platform and going, hold on, 
I want to go and play in that playground. Is that the playground for me? It doesn't matter if it's the playground for everybody else. Is that the playground for me? And so far with Clubhouse, I keep looking over. It's almost like I'm glancing over the fence and I'm like, mm. not sure. just don't know if I want to play there. I really like the sandpit of Instagram. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love Instagram. But you know yeah. what? I don't like TikTok. So I never tried TikTok. I don't, I don't understand. And also, I'm an audio nerd. So Clubhouse was always going to appeal for yes. kind of sound and, and speech place yeah. but it is interesting you'll have to let me know when you're on there and yes, you listen to it i will more. well i've been invited to do what are, are they called rooms i think to I host think so. a room I with someone know. yeah <laughs> a week on from when we're chatting now so i'm going to do that so that's a bit deep end sort of yeah someone's sort of gone oi get over here come to this i'm like okay i'll come next Thursday. <laughs> yeah cool i think it'll <laughs> so be I'll fun see how that goes I yeah think you'll, i think you'll enjoy it and then you can see it's like any social media you know what you you only follow the people that you're interested in and everyone else is making noise and that's fine exactly and if you go and you don't enjoy it you can leave like yeah. never stay on a social media platform if you're not enjoying it let's talk a bit about the coaching though that you brought up Ooh. because it's an exciting kind of side to your to your business and your world. Have you done it before? I know you've said you're kind of setting up, but in the previous two times that you freelanced or anything like that, have you had things like this bubbling on the side? No. The only things I ever had bubbling on the side were other writing projects. Mm -hmm. So when I was working at the newspaper, I would still write for magazines like I still wrote for Grazia and I wrote a novel while I was at the, the newspaper. So that was a bit, bit of a big side project, but always <laughs> something writing-y, writing-based. So no, coaching... I'd been a guinea pig, for want of a better word, for a couple of friends who were going through coaching training. Because to get accredited, you have to do a certain amount of hours. So people get people to be a guinea pig for them so that they can log the hours that you've worked with them. And sometimes you do a bit of a skill swap. So it might be that I was a guinea pig for somebody. And in return, perhaps they, depending on what they, what they were doing, you sort of skill swap. And then that got me interested. And also talking to coaches for articles, and so I sort of had a toe dip into the waters of coaching through those two experiences. And then the more freelance feels built, the more I thought, God, this could really offer so much more than me talking on Instagram and me interviewing people on the podcast and writing blog posts. And that's when the penny dropped that I just thought, oh, what about that coaching that I really enjoyed being part of? Mm. Maybe I could be one of those one of those coaches that I see out there <laughs> and it looks it just feels yeah. like a good fit Do you know what? that feels like a really logical transition and it feels like there's a community yeah. of people that you're already helping you're already bringing together and you're already advising so why not personalize that even more so yeah very much so it does feel like the logical next step for freelance feels definitely and so how's it going to work you're going to do one-to-ones and it's mm. is it only writers that you'll be working with what, what are your kind of thoughts on it it's anyone who is self-employed so you don't have to call yourself freelance. I often find when I interview people for the podcast, they say, oh, but I'm not, I don't call myself freelance. I'm like, if you're self-employed in any way, freelance feels is sort of, it's just F and F went together, didn't they? Freelance and feels. <laughs> self-employed feels doesn't sound quite as good. <laughs> but you don't have to call yourself freelance. So freelance, self-employed, entrepreneur, small business owner, um, any of those words we use and anyone who's considering it. So perhaps someone who's got a side hustle and they're thinking they want to leave their job if someone's listening and they think, well, I'm on furlough. And actually, if they say I don't have to go back, I don't want to. I want to start my own business. Mm. 
So I, I coach anybody who is e- in either of those self-employed camps, either already in it or considering it. It was really interesting. It actually came up recently um, in a course I'm doing because I've spent my mm. year doing courses <laughs> where they talked about the definition of entrepreneur. Mm. And actually for this person, and I think I agree, he was kind of like, we are creative freelancers. We are not entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are when you could step away from your business, Mm. leave someone else in charge, and it could run without you being there. Now for you and I, that's not possible. Do you know what? I am my voice. I can't outsource that. (laughs) You are, you're writing, like they want you to write it for a reason. So He's he said, you know, I would never call myself an entrepreneur. And he was a photographer. So same thing. Mm. He takes the pictures. What are your thoughts on that? Do you consider yourself because entrepreneurial, you're now setting up a coaching business. Yes, you have to be the one to coach them. It has to be you. But you're setting up the business, which is quite entrepreneurial in spirit. So I find it a really interesting definition. Same. It's interesting when people use that word as well. There was someone, uh, Rob Law, so he he created Trunky, you know, the luggage brand for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he came on the podcast and he actually, I said, do you call yourself an entrepreneur? Because I thought that would be the word he'd use. And he said, oh, I call myself an inventor. Oh, good. Yeah. And when I think of entrepreneurs, I think of The Apprentice and Dragon's Den. Yeah. I think of people primarily with a product to something physical, but also people that are like, trying to sell that product and market that product it's all about the, the creation of something physical when I think of entrepreneurs in that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. people who are like hustling you know they've got to get the handshake at the end of the deal and like they're very businessy yeah and they're I, wearing I a suit aren't on, they yeah, wearing a suit the way I said business, I'm like businessy I don't know if anyone's seen the Muppets <laughs> Christmas Carol <laughs> with Sam the Eagle and he's like it is business <laughs> yeah that's what they're like that's what I think of like. Sam the Eagle in the Muppets, brilliant. Oh, I love the Muppets. But um, yeah, so, but then the flip side is I speak to people and they say, but freelance seems not professional enough. Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah. So freelance is almost, oh, you're just a freelancer. Oh, I'm a freelancer. Oh, I'm a bit of a gun for hire. I'm just a freelancer. And I'm like, so I really thought about that. And I'm like, no, that is me. I am for hire by the day. Yeah, if and it's, it's about writing and content creation, I'm for hire by the hour if you want coaching. So I, I kind of actually really have become wedded to freelance rather than I've anything else. I've never viewed it negatively. That's probably yeah, just because I've always been it? freelance. But yeah, I've never considered it as flaky mm. or like, oh, you're just kind of yeah. a freelancer. Some people don't like it. They say, I'd rather say I'm self-employed. That's Similarly, small business owner. For me, yeah. small business immediately makes me think of products and shops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. online someone with an etsy shop small business owner yeah. it's funny i don't consider myself a small business owner. <laughs> and then someone threw into me they were like well if you exchange your time for money you're a practitioner oh am i like am i a creative creative practitioner and i know that there are a few people in my industry who call themselves vocal practitioners but oh, they okay. come at it from a holistic and health perspective Ah, so they're vocal coaches or they're looking at your vocal health and then they are a practitioner. And I'm like, okay, so there's, right. there needs to be a medical thing. It's all such a grey area, isn't it? You it's just call funny, yourself what you it? like. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that's a really good point is choose the word you want. So, yeah, just, and, and you know, but, yeah, just because I call it freelance feels. If you don't call yourself a freelancer, you're still welcome at freelance feels if you're self-employed. Mm. It's just the name I chose for it that works 
for me sort of thing it's and yeah. we've talked about it me and rose talked about it at the beginning of the podcast series and also i feel like i mentioned it every episode but there's a lot of there's a lot of confidence building that comes with being able to label yourself and confidently mm. saying i've never referred to myself as a business owner and then actually this year i've started thinking about my business as mm. this entity that i put my energy into and really care about in a way that i never previously done and i think that's come with confidence and educating myself a bit more mm. um because the pandemic has, has meant a lot of time to do lots of learning. And actually yeah. a year on, I do feel like a bit of a sponge. I think I've absorbed a lot on business practices, marketing techniques mm. and that kind of thing. Oh, good for you. It's time well spent, I think. it's. I've often wondered if I would have committed to doing the training that I'm doing for coaching if we hadn't been in lockdown. Because mm. it's very intense. It's We have a class one day a week. So you can do it on an evening. You've got the choice. And I chose to spend my Thursday doing it in the daytime. And we have to do recorded sessions for assessment. We have one-on-ones with mentors. We have to do 50 hours coaching. So I actually think if I hadn't been knowing I was at home and that work was perhaps a bit thinner on the ground, would I have committed to such an intense training course? Mm. Possibly not. Possibly not. I run with you. I think, you know, yeah, I used that time. I thought, well, okay, let's come out of this pandemic saying I did. I learned something. Yeah, this is what changed in the background. (laughs) No, not at all. And that whole thing at the beginning, I remember in first lockdown, it being like, so what have you created? So what have you made? If you're not busy, then it shows it was never time. It was motivation. I'm like, yeah, all of that, no. But a year on to feel like there has been some personal growth in whatever arena you've chosen to sort of focus on. And that could be doing absolutely nothing if you're a really busy person who never gives themselves that time. With the Because coaching has been criticized for being an unregulated industry mm. but obviously there's accreditation that goes into it there's training that goes into it you cannot just set yourself up as a coach and be like i've been in this industry for the three years and now i'm going to coach people there well, has can. to be i know you so this yeah. is what i was going to ask you so what is the difference in what is the difference in what you've done what you're allowed to do what some people who are maybe a bit shady in the coaching arena what are they doing differently? Like, how does it all work? It's very interesting because the more training I do and the more I coach and am coached and doing part of our training, we'll do some some theory and then we break off into pairs or threes and we do coaching one-on-one and then we're, we're sort of observed and then we all feed back. So there's quite a lot of practice, of practical coaching sort of to get us up to speed with the things you should and shouldn't say as a coach. And the more I do of that, the more I think, how could you black this? Like, I don't, it perplexes me that someone would be able to maintain saying they're a coach and having clients and not having anyone else either check in on their work or, because as a coach, really, you should be checked in, like you should sort of, I don't know the exact rules about it, but I think there's sort of, you know, there's a, the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, you you check back in with them once you're accredited. Oh. and. Interesting. They sort of, yeah. I'll double check that, people, if you're listening and thinking, hold on, that doesn't sound quite right. Go, go to the ICF. It's all on there sort of thing. But the course I'm doing is accredited to the ICF. And when I finished it, I can say I have done an ICF accredited course. And for that, I have to do 50 hours one-on-one with different people. Wow. And to become an ICF accredited coach in your own right, I think you have to do a minimum of 100 hours. So that's one of the biggest differences, I think, is to get accredited, you have to have put in the hours mm. and been assessed on them and had feedback and all that kind of thing. So 
Yeah, but I, I can't imagine. Now I know what coaching involves and how tricky it is not to give someone your opinion or advice when you're coaching because that's that's the difference I guess between coaching and mentoring is you can't say oh I know exactly how you feel like if a coach says that they're not coaching you because they're not allowed to bring their own stuff to the session that, that's, that's interesting mm, it's not it's not for, for the coach to say but yeah it's very much client-led because I might be working with someone and they might say oh I want to talk about yeah I want to talk about the fact that I want to go self-employed I've got a side hustle but I don't feel confident enough to leave my job a friend would probably be like, oh, mate, leave your job. I believe in you. You can go for it. <laughs> and a mentor might say, okay, well, let's work out some steps to get you towards leaving your job. Are you building up a buffer? Do you want to talk about that? But that's suggesting what to talk about. Whereas as a coach, I'd say, okay, what, what would you like to talk about within that? And just leave it open. And then the person might actually say, I'm really frightened of telling my boss. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, do you want to expand on that? Um, they, they might come up with something that actually you're not thinking of. So if you put the suggestion there for them, you're taking the control away from them as to how the conversation might go. You're, you can't find their solutions for them. So I guess to, mm. to come back round to an answer to your question, yeah, I can't understand how anyone could say they're doing coaching having never been trained or assessed in it. Yeah. It's, it's really detailed. Like, I don't think you can wing it. Because there's all this, the different things you need to do. It's if you're doing easy. it properly. I, yeah. I yeah. think there's a lot of people out there who aren't doing it properly. I expect there are. Yeah, and I think I'm not saying that you have to do training or get a certificate to be a coach. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier um, and kind of pondering on an analogy, kind of a comparison. And I thought, well, you could say. Building work is often a comparison in the freelance world. It's funny about sort of when it comes to payments and things, people often say, well, you pay your builder on time. Why don't you pay your writer on time? Mm -hmm. I think, well, you might say, okay, to your friend, I want the bathroom retiled. And your friend might say, oh, I know someone. Jim will be really good at it or Joe will be really good at it. Okay, well, who are they? Well, they're a tiler and they've been doing it for 15 years. Here's all the places they've tiled. Here's all the pictures of it. Here's five people they've done the bathroom for who are really happy. But they might never have gone to college and done a course in tiling. Mm -hmm, totally. Well, they're clearly still a tiler, aren't they? But then you might get someone who turns around the next week after deciding they don't want to be in IT anymore and going, well, I'm not so bad at tiling. I'm all right at it. I did my own bathroom. I'll say I'm a tiler now. And that's sometimes I think what people are doing with coaching is they're thinking, well, I'll just coach. You know, experience wins out. Experience and or training other two things I think people should be looking for if they are trying to work with a coach. Mm, absolutely. And I think what's interesting, this year there has apparently been a massive boom in people going self-employed. A huge amount of people have got a side hustle. Like you mentioned earlier, they've been using their furlough time maybe to build something yeah. up. How important do you think it is at the beginning of your freelance or self-employed journey to get a coach? people are gonna laugh because I'd be like that's very important but I genuinely I think really important because a, the thing a coach will do for you that no one else can is they will allow your honest reactions and decisions to come out mm. so, you know like we were just saying look, a friend or a family member they're going to champion you 
And that's wonderful, of course. Everyone needs to be champions. With but... a huge amount of bias. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, my, my lovely fiancé thinks that freelance feels is wonderful. Well, of course he's going to, you know, he'll be honest with me. Sometimes I might say, what do you think of this? And he might be like, oh, I'd tweak it or, you know, have you maybe work on it a bit more. There's honest feedback from friends and family, of course. But generally, your loved ones love you and they're going to say, go for it. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. And a coach is completely impartial so they're not going to fluff things up in that way they're just going to let you work it out and it might be that you come to coaching thinking I want to leave my job and go self-employed you might get to the end of six sessions or three sessions and think I don't want to Mm. actually I really like my job I just want to work four days a week yeah so sometimes the thing that comes out of coaching isn't the thing you thought it would be at all yeah, totally. And it's it's not something I did. I didn't really know coaching existed when I was 23. Same. Um, I was sort of so woo-woo as well. Like when Totally, I first... very American. Like Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what is this? You know, I don't need, and I'm so stubborn. I'd be like, I don't need someone's help. What of a stranger that I don't know? What, what are they going to know about me? But that's almost the thing. It's like, they don't know you. So they can't say, oh, but you'd be really good at that. Go for it. Oh, but yeah. I know you, you're brilliant at Instagram. Why don't you just do some more Instagram? Because the person being coached might actually say, secretly, I hate Instagram. I was getting kind of used to the darkness anyway. I wanted to talk as well, lastly, Ooh. about I am a sound nerd, right? And mm-hmm. Which means I can't really listen to bad quality podcasts oh, God. or <laughs> films that are mixed not well or radio presenters who keep doing things or playing with the faders or whatever because I've worked in radio and a little bit in film mm. a little bit so all over the shop do you get that with writing do you read an <laughs> article and go oh my god I just have to close this magazine because I can't cope yes <laughs> I love that I was just thinking oh my goodness I wonder what you think of my podcast oh well hey no complaints no complaints oh my god because <laughs> it's all you know the podcast never was never a thing that I created to drive revenue it was to drive brand and primarily as I said before to just build community and get other voices other than mine mm-hmm. so yeah I don't make the podcast I don't pretend that the podcast is some slick operation but yeah it's a relief to know that it hasn't burnt your eardrums off <laughs> um, yeah good 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 but there is that thing in when you're in your own industry that you become mm. hypercritical. And I just you've written for such a range of magazines, you've written books, like so I'm wondering, does that affect the lens through which you can absorb other people's writing? It does. And one of the big ways it does is I find it very hard to read an article without then making notes or coming up with my own ideas, thinking, Oh, well, they've run an article like that. Oh, I've got an idea on the same not a same theme, but like, you know. Maybe, oh, maybe they're into articles about Mm. this, that and the other. I should pitch to them. And then my brain goes off thinking about whether I should pitch to the the thing I'm reading and comparing. I compare bylines all the time. So if I'm reading something, I opened up a magazine a few weekends ago and one of my friends had a piece in there. And I was like, oh. And it really threw me because my friend was in the magazine. (laughs) So there's that crossover as well of actually I might know the person who's written it. So it's Mm. like, oh, God, well, I know. I mean, I've known her since I was in my 20s and she was writing about a topic I didn't know she had feelings about. And mm. I was like, wow, that's a, a curveball, sort of a bit of a sideways knock that you're like, wow, you, you hear something about someone you know 
and are fond of but you didn't know about them because they put it in an article but yeah I don't I don't tend to sort of critique so much as find it difficult to read just for entertainment with articles yeah totally I can empathize with that and I think that it's interesting that you mentioned you know reading an article that you didn't know was someone's truth because there's there's so much intimacy in the articles and especially like the ones I've read of yours I was going to ask you you write a lot about um well, your older pieces are a lot about your dating yeah. life, your romantic life. Yeah. You talk about, you know, uh, not finding love until 40, not hearing the phrases, I love you. Like, I just wonder, there's a vulnerability in what you do. And does that ever get in the way? Oh, it's such a lovely question. It's funny because I pitch those things and I genuinely want to write them. And then between them going to press and them coming out, there's this real fear of, what have I done? Why have I told the world? The piece you mentioned, um, I'd never been told I love you, came up actually with the friend who was in the magazine that I just mentioned. We were on a press trip together and I told her I'd never been told I love you. And she started to like well up with tears. And I was like, oh, this is an article. It's made someone emotional. And I was laughing and I said to her, Does it, I'm okay. Like we were in Tenerife at the time. I was like, it's not a problem. <laughs> we're having a lovely time. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it's no worries. But yes, I guess then you write it all down. And then an editor comes along and starts editing your emotions. Mm -hmm. That's hard sometimes because they might be like, they might change your introduction or they might say, oh, they might edit out a sentence you wrote. And you might, to you, that might be the sentence of the article. But I always used to read magazines and want to be the woman who was writing the article. So I used to read like, I mean, I've mentioned my age. I mentioned, used to read Just 17 and more. And then New Woman came along and Company. And I loved New Woman and Company, those two magazines. And I just used to read all the first person stuff and the columns where people laid their soul bare and wrote about their love lives and things. And I used to think, I want to be the woman that writes those articles. So that's what sort of got me into pitching them and writing them. And it's funny because... I did a column for Metro newspaper called Boyfriend by Christmas, which was very lighthearted, really. It was just dating and seeing if I could. It started in October and then it was, will I meet someone by Christmas? Spoiler alert, if you write about your dates, no one wants to actually date you. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. But I got my novel, my book deal off the back of writing that one. So there's often bearing your soul can lead to other work opportunities yeah totally and there's just and the bravery I think that actually publishers will read your stuff and there's something so authentic in the bravery that I can absolutely see that that appeals to, to mm. people who want to pay you to write more so there's mm. I, I can see the flip side of that it's quite therapeutic and it's funny because sometimes like even when you said to me oh, I was reading your your January dry January one and I was like oh and when when I when the idea then I kind of forget that people read these things that I write Especially the old stuff. I've just been digging through yeah. your archive. Like, I've just been going through old things. Yes, I am very much in love now. I found my lovely fiance and he said, I love you. So it's all good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, you said, because then you wrote, you wrote a piece that said you, what, you found love at 40 or something. And then you just said you yeah. were 43 and fiance engaged. Like, I'm piecing it together. But, you know, there's a million more articles that can come from that as long as your fiance doesn't mind I suppose well that's the thing I did say to him look you've put a right old kibosh on my career now because I write about not being in love <laughs> so now I have to write about you exactly but yeah no it's all good I think sometimes there comes a time and anyone who's written lots of pieces like that probably feels the same way you do get to a point where you think 
if you're a little sponge and you're squeezing your emotions out all the time, there gets to a point where you're just like, actually, I don't know if I want to write about myself in the same way anymore. Yeah. And freelance feels fills that gap, really, because I still write about my feelings on things, but my feelings on freelancing rather than my feelings on relationships. Personal stuff. I think totally. Mm. And it, it, like you say, if you've wrung yourself out, you need to either time to reabsorb everything and then go again in a different angle or just, just kind of change it. I think that 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 level of being able to pivot and shift your focus is what makes a good long-term career, right? Is being able yeah. to kind of change and be a chameleon. Definitely. You've reminded me of something and I can't remember where I saw it, but Gordon Ramsay is now presenting a show. Oh God, is it the game show? A game show as well. <laughs> I haven't watched Someone, it. I can't think, I don't know what platform it was on, but I saw, might've been just a friend on Facebook. But anyway, someone said, How's he gone from, oh, one minute he's a chef and now he's a TV game show presenter? And part of me thought, and? Oh, I'm sorry. Have you never tried a different career path? I think he's great. People love him. Like, I mean, I hate him, but that's fine. That's just my own stuff. Yeah, he's stuff, not my but... favourite, but I just think, God, he's entitled to, does he have, just because he was a chef and still is a chef on many levels, does he have to always be a chef once totally. he's chosen? Yeah. And actually ITV are seeing the monetary value in having him front something because he's got such a following. It's actually kind of yeah. kudos to his chef career that he can Yeah, pivot. pivoting is like, why the hell not? God. And yeah. people will only, you know, what, what did I read? That it's like people will only ever criticise you from a place of being less than you. They mm. will very rarely criticise you when they are doing better than you. Wow. And so that was kind of like, oh, me, God, that just, <laughs> yeah, that my brain exploded. I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Mm. Um, so mm. yeah, that person's clearly not a professional chef and fronting a game show or they wouldn't be criticising Gordon Ramsay. No. Yeah. <laughs> Here's, that's an example of, yeah, like pivot away, like pirouette, spin yourself around and see what you like. And you get braver. The more you do it, the braver you oh, get to do it. Yeah. And I think that's it's great. So right. Yeah, 100%. So we have uh, we've come to the end of your very generous time with me. Thank oh, you so lovely. much. So where can people find you? What should they be looking at? If this has piqued their interest, where should they go? So if they would like to come and say hello on Instagram and sometimes see me with very fluffy hair uh, talking, hopefully not too much nonsense, it's at freelance underscore feels. Um, it's the same on Twitter, but I don't really do much on Twitter for freelance feels. It's, Instagram is where things happen. Um the website is freelancefields.com where there is information also about coaching. Um, if people are interested in coaching, they're very welcome to send me a message either through the website or hello at freelancefields.com if you're interested in coaching. And what we can do is what they call a discovery call, which when I first heard it was one of those things about coaching where I thought, oh, a discovery call, what on earth is that? It's a 15-minute <laughs> chat where they get to see if they like me. I get to see if they're the right person for me because sometimes... They might not be the right client for me and I might recommend somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so if you'd like a discovery call, drop me a line. I'd be more than happy to set that up with you um, at freelance underscore feels. Oh, and the podcast, search for freelance feels on Spotify, Apple. The newsletter, I nearly forgot. The newsletter is freelancefeels.substack.com. You are so busy. 
There's a lot going That's on. That's all of it. There's a lot going <laughs> That's on. That's all of it. But thank you so much. This has been such a lovely chat. And, My um, pleasure. I'm excited really to... have got me thinking about a few things. Good. Yeah. That's what we like. That was episode eight of Keeping Receipts. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thanks to Jenny for spending her time with me. I love that moment when you realise you're not the only one who has these thoughts. And if you're a fellow self-employed person and recognised any of what we were talking about, as Jenny said, you can find her community at freelance feels on social media i'll be back with another episode of keeping receipts soon fingers crossed co-creator of keeping receipts and my life guru rose will be stopping by to say hello soon remember if you like the music that you've heard throughout this episode the artist is called oliver doldry and you can find him wherever you stream your music this specific song is darkness until next time thanks for listening i'm beth davison and this was keeping receipts i was getting kind of used to the darkness Sunny white